welcome to Teaching Without Losing It. Um, like a lot of you, I'm on social media and, um, you know, my age group, most of us are on Facebook and I belong to some groups on there. Um, and it was interesting. One of the groups had a member the other day who sort of went on a rant about something someone had posted that didn't have any punctuation and they claimed it was, you know, 25 sentences long and no punctuation and, you know, for goodness sake, you need to punctuate and yada, yada, yada. And, um, it, uh, it bothered me because it was clearly just meant to shame that person. Um, and then it got me thinking about shaming in the classroom because, you know, I'm sure when that person posted that they were hoping to motivate that person who made the original post to start using punctuation. And of course, as you can imagine, there were lots of comments agreeing, disagreeing with the person, um, et cetera. Um, but it got me thinking about how we use shame in the classroom. Um, so, you know, I guess the main question, you know, I asked myself and I would ask you to ask yourself is, uh, when was the last time being shamed motivated you? So I think about, um, something that's very common here in the U S which is, uh, body shaming. It is getting better. Thank goodness. But, you know, I have friends who are, um, anywhere from overweight to obese and, uh, most of them have been body shamed for years by everybody from their family to doctors. And it does not help. Um, I have a friend who in fact avoids going to the doctor because the first thing they always want to talk about is her weight. She might be there for tennis elbow, you know, and they need to bring up the weight and they don't do it in a kind way. Um, and by merely bringing it up instead of addressing why she's there, that in and of itself is a way of, uh, you know, I hate to use the word shaming for that, but it's a way of making it, putting it on the front burner when that person doesn't necessarily want to deal with it all the time. Um, again, the doctors have probably, uh, good intentions behind that. But, you know, if you can't communicate those intentions in a way that someone can receive them, it's going to turn them off. So, um, you know, I got to thinking about the effects of shaming, um, on everybody. Um, so the first thing I think it does to people, case in point, some of my friends who, um, have experienced this with their weight is it just undoes their self-esteem. Um, they will, uh, they'll get angry, they'll get upset, they'll cry. Um, and again, it puts them back in that it's, it's almost PTSD from all the other times it's happened to them before. Um, I think another thing that shaming does to all of us is it puts us in a fight or flight mode. And so I, I don't know, I came up with some examples that, uh, I have found, um, come about as a result of shaming in the classroom. Now, again, I'm going to reiterate, I teach in a title one school here in the U S what that means is that a significant portion of our population are low income families. And if you've ever done any research on social class 
and the values that are present in different social classes, um, there are some very interesting differences. Um, I'm a big fan of Ruby Payne and her research on social classes and the value systems that go with each one. And one of the things about the low-income socioeconomic class, and this she says this is worldwide, not just in the U.S., is that, um, let me try to explain this, people are currency. And what that means is that uh, relationships with people are severely, uh, or uh, severely is not the right word, relationships with people are um, the most valuable thing you can have in that income group because you don't have uh, financial backing um, or other things. So sort of your your relationship with a person is your currency with that person uh, because that's all you've got. And so what I have found in my classroom, um, because I wasn't always the teacher I am now, obviously, um, you know, I... I made a lot of mistakes over the years and um, I was very rigid and pretty stressed out in my first few years of teaching. And, um, you know, I did plenty of things that I regret. Um, so, you know, I'm speaking from personal experience. I'm also speaking from observations I've made of other teachers engaged with students. So here's what I see as the effects of shaming a student in class. Um, and again, this is not something as blatant as holding up their F on a test and saying, Oh, look who got an F again. You know, that's, that's pretty extreme. It's just more the, the little things we say to them, like, you know, why didn't you study? You, you should have studied for this, you know, even in private, even in quiet. Um, again, the teacher's trying to motivate or understand the student feels it as an attack. So what's happened in my experience is um, one thing they can do is they can just flat out disengage from your class. Um, you know, in the fight or flight world, that's flight. You know, they, they don't like how they feel with you. So they just disengage. Well, I'm not doing their work. And for years and years and years, I had kids who would, they would complain about other classes and they'd say, well, I hate that teacher, so I'm not doing her work. And I never understood that. It made no sense to me. I thought, and I would say things to them like, well, you've just done that teacher a favor because now they don't have to grade your work. That's one less paper they have to grade, you know, and I'd kind of joke, if you really want to punish them, do all their work. But, you know, again, it was a mindset I did not, I did not get. But once I did a little research into income, um, the value systems within income groups, it made sense because how do you hurt somebody you, you remove yourself from the relationship. And if the relationship is the currency and you take yourself out of it, you have quote punished them. Um, I think another effect that can happen from shaming is that the student will do exactly the opposite of what you want them to do in order to win. So that's the fight part. So you tell them, you know, what to do. They're going to do exactly the opposite. Um, and this can, they can sustain this for a long time. I'm not talking one or two times after the shaming incident. I'm talking the rest of the year. It can be pretty extreme with some people and they will hold that grudge. 
Um, I think another effect is they just simply will never trust you again. Um, they don't feel safe with you anymore. So everything you say, they're going to be suspicious of. Um, even if you change your ways and you think you're saying something in a caring way, they're going to be suspicious and not trust your intentions. Again, we're also dealing with children. Um, and I do count high school students among children. So, you know, a lot of these, you know, in this age group lacks perspective. They can't look at us and say, oh, you know what? They pro they were probably just having a bad day when they said that. And, you know, maybe they're stressed out. They don't, they don't do that. They do not do that. They absolutely 100% of the time take it personally. Um, and to expect anything more of them um, is you don't really understand children very well if you expect them to think like adults because they can't. They absolutely can't. Um, and it's a tricky thing for us to have to, you know, bend to the mind of the child. But I think success can ensue if you can get your head around that a little bit. Um, I think another effect that can happen is they just decide they hate your subject. So you teach biology, you know, from that moment on, I hate biology. So their curiosity about your subject, uh, what could have maybe been the love of your subject is now gone because they associate you with that subject. Um, you know, I've had uh, people say to me, because I teach French, I've had many, many adults say to me over the years, you know, when I meet them at parties, oh, I, I had French in high school, I hated it. And, you know, I, I often will say to them, well, did you hate French or did you hate your French teacher? And they'll say, oh, it was the teacher. And so that's always interesting because had they had a different teacher or had that teacher maybe been further along in years and had learned a little bit more, they might have loved French. So, you know, do you want your students hating your subject? I, I'm sure none of us want that. You know, we want to instill a love and a passion for our subject. That's why we got into it. And, you know, but one cross moment can do that to a student, particularly a student who's highly, highly sensitive to this stuff. Um, and I think another thing that can happen that we don't often think about is that, um, when, you know, when a student has a negative experience with you, they talk, they spread the word. Um, they talk about it to their family. They talk about it to their friends. They talk about it to other teachers. And, um, I think in, in a roundabout way that could end up hurting you because if they have friends say who are taking your class the next year, those friends are going to come in with a guarded stance. They're not going to be open. And, you know, it could potentially lead to uh, behavior problems with new people who don't even know you yet because they've heard you did this to so-and-so. And I mean, we know how some people are, you know, they're going to come in and defend their friend. Um, so, you know, I think shaming, we, a lot of us, certainly my age group, uh, we were taught with shaming. Um, our parents did it to us. Our teachers did it to us. A lot of adults did it to us. And, um, you know, this is probably a pretty, I don't know, I maybe it's not. I was going to say it's probably a pretty unpopular opinion, but 
I don't know. I mean, I'm 52 and a lot of us in my generation, uh, we, we have rejected the norms of the past. I think about half of us have and half of us haven't. And I think one of the norms of the past was, you know, you respect adults no matter what. You don't talk back. You don't argue. You know, you listen to what they say and you keep your mouth shut. Um, Personally, I think that uh, contributes to a mindset of emotional abuse. Um, I think a person no matter what age they are, um, has a right to stand up for themselves and to defend themselves. Now, there are, you know, appropriate ways to do that. There are inappropriate ways to do that. And, you know, children obviously can choose inappropriate most of the time because they don't have the life skills. They don't have the communication skills. Their brains aren't finished cooking yet. So they can't say very calmly to you, I don't like the way you're speaking to me. Um, can we talk about this in a more rational way? You know, no, nobody's going to say that to you as a student. Um, they're going to, they're going to get upset. They're going to save face. They're going to do what they say. You're there. What am I trying to say? They're going to say what they need to say in the moment to feel powerful. And then what do we do? You know, then we amp it up and, they, and then it turns into a battle of wills. So, you know, to avoid these things happening in the first place, I think we need to think about what can we do in place of shaming. Um, and that's hard. I mean, that's a hard, hard skill to learn. So one second, let me let these dogs out. about that. So, um, you know, I think creating a motivator, you know, say a student fails a test, say a student goes a whole week and doesn't turn in any work. Um, obviously creating a motivator to get them to do so, uh, is a great idea. Um, is that easy to do? No, absolutely not. And I think each of us in our own individual classrooms have to think about what motivates our students. And again, if you're teaching, you know, in a high income school versus a middle income school versus a low income school, motivators can be different. If you're teaching different cultural groups, motivators can be different. Um, different age groups, motivators can be different. Um, there are so many variables here that I wouldn't even begin to tell you how to motivate your students. You know, you know them, I do not. Um, so I think another thing is that we can all relate to is, you know, if something has gone wrong with that student, you know, saying or doing something compassionate, um, can actually really help them turn the corner. Sometimes it seems counterintuitive because, you know, they've just spent a week not doing your homework. Um, maybe you're upset about that. The last thing you want to be is compassionate, but I have found that, um, when a student is shut down and they're not doing what they nor normally would do, compassion will, will flip that switch. You know, I teach high school. Uh, that means in a nutshell, lots of crying girls. <laughs> That's my life. I have at least one person crying, uh, typically a girl, um, a couple times a week. Um, one of the tricks I learned over the years is I just walk by their desk and I put a tissue on it and that's it. I don't say anything. 
And before I know it, they've gotten their stuff out and they're working because it just says, I care. I see that you're crying and I care about you. And if I went over and said, listen, you know, I see that you're crying. I know you're upset, but you know, we have a lot of work to do today. So you really need to get on, you know, cause we don't have that much time. They're going to shut down. They're absolutely going to shut down to that. At least in my population, they will. So practicing compassion, um, is something that I have found really works. Um, another way to do that is, um, if you don't want to talk to them or you don't have the time to talk to them at the moment, just write a little note on the desk and leave it on their desk, um, as they're working. Um, it could be something as simple as, you know, it seems like you're having, you know, a rough day. Let me know if you need to talk. Um, and again, you don't need an answer from them. Sometimes just getting that note is all they need to turn it around. Even if they don't take you up on the invitation to talk, just saying, wow, you know, that teacher really noticed that I was upset and cared enough to do this. And what I have found is they'll come into your class. They, like they will love you from that moment on, from that moment on. Um, years ago, I had a student who was, uh, oh boy, he was a mess. He came from, a he came from a family that was just a wreck. Um, you know, dad had been in jail multiple times. Dad had children by like, you know, four or five mothers. And, um, this kid was constantly in trouble. And one day he was in, um, in school suspension and I really liked him and he was whip smart and he and I got along. I mean, he gave me some trouble here and there, but, um, I sat down and I wrote him, a note that more or less said, listen, you know, you're so smart and it just, it breaks my heart to see you making these decisions. Um, you've got so much potential and I would just love to see more of that come out. And he, he was in, uh, in school suspension, good God for like five days in a row. I mean, that was his, you know, he was that kind of kid. And he wrote me back a note. And the first thing he said was, you're the first teacher that's ever written me anything but a referral. And he said, I have always been judged based on my older brothers. Teachers have always thought I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be trouble because they were trouble. And he said, um, you know, if I graduate, I want you to shake my hand afterward because you'll be the reason I graduated. And I will tell you from that moment on in my classroom, he was an angel and this kid was a hood. I mean, he was constantly in trouble, constantly in fights. I'm sure he was selling drugs. Um, but he was an angel for me from that point on because I didn't shame him. You know, I, I reached out with compassion. Um, and I think, you know, if you're dealing with a kid who's just a flat out behavior problem all the time, um, obviously you can't just keep being nice. So, you know, in that case, I would, uh, keep my reactions, uh, emotionless and I would just issue the discipline, you know, send them to the office with a referral, um, email home, uh, call home, but don't react emotionally to them because again, that's where you're going to get in a, particularly with a kid like that, you're going to get them in a fight, uh, mindset, not a, not a flight, but a fight and they will come for you. So, um, anyway, best of luck. I know it's spring and it's crazy and, um, yeah, I hope your year's going to finish pretty well. So I, uh, thank you always for listening.